This is Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. I'm your host, Erica Sinkovic. In celebration of International Women's Day, we'll be hosting 12 hours of women-focused programming. As part of today's programming, I'll be talking with Zia McCabe from the Dandy Warhols and Christy Balzer, Executive Director of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, about the past, present, and future of women in the music industry. As I said, my name is Erica Sinkovic, and I lead the local chapter of Women in Music, a global nonprofit run by volunteers whose mission is to spotlight, educate, and empower women in all sectors of the music industry. If you'd like to join in on today's conversation with any questions or comments for our guest, we encourage you to do so by texting 971-220-5979 or sending an email to dj at xray.fm. Christy and Zia, thank you both for joining me today. Uh, do you guys mind giving us a little bit of background um, on how you got uh, involved in the music industry? Go first. Um, I, I kind of just walked into it. Um, I didn't have a lot of music experience. Dance was my background, and a coworker of mine was in a band in the 90s, and that sounded uh, kind of amazing. And so I told him if he heard of any opportunities that I would like to do that too. And he said, that's not how it works. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I'm a master manifester, so just let me know. (laughs) And um, he he was friends with Courtney of the Dandy Warhols and um, Courtney wanted somebody with a lot of personality and um, not uh, a big say in how things went down. And I was pretty open to whatever so um it worked out yeah i just uh i was i just showed up at the right time i guess well the first we talked about this last year uh talking about how the first step to success is often showing up and it's amazing what can happen what can change uh what opportunities present themselves by showing up so i'm just going to highlight that one real quick with zia (laughs) i love that bringing it full circle and yes. what about you, Christy? Showing up is 90% for yeah, sure. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, well, as I mentioned in the hallway, I don't actually have a background in music other than being a music lover. Um, it just happens that... That's how I it was, all starts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that I was in the right place at the right time when Rock and Roll Camp for Girls was looking for a new executive director. And so now I get to be a part of the new music revolution, right, with our kiddos at camp. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and Zia, I would love to know more about what what it was like in the music industry, what your experience was um, as being a female musician, um, which is now even, you know, kind of a, a no-no term. You're a musician. Right. Well, <laughs> and I always felt that way. Um, I didn't separate myself into a female category really with anything I think it would have would not have served me well as a kid with all of the neighborhoods having all the families had about six to ten kids and in my neighborhood all but three of them were boys so there was about 40 something boys in the neighborhood and three girls and so team girl wouldn't have really gotten very far and um, so it was more just like can't beat them, join them, be tough, and totally. be a tomboy. And I think uh, my dad, looking back on it, would have loved to have a son. So I did a lot in the shop and was very into welding and auto mechanics. And um, I'd rather build the house that the Barbies played in. Once it got time to play the Barbies, I was kind of on to the next project. Yes. Um, so I didn't, I didn't make that distinction. And I think that 
served me well because I just didn't pay attention to, I didn't get this or that because I was a girl. Mm-hmm. It would be pointed out to me by other people, um, and then I would look at it again and say, oh, well, I can see how I was discriminated against, um, but I didn't spend a lot of time fighting it or being disappointed yeah. by it, even in the midst of the Riot Girl movement. Um, mm-hmm. Also, because my band leader was a boy, and yeah. I was in with three, when I got asked the question, what's it like to be the only girl in the band, I would say that they should ask Peter. <laughs> he was a bit more feminine than me. And it was a great way to not have to discuss feminism. And yeah. um, and that got me, you know, through quite happily. It's mm-hmm. a different now. And if the way I see things now it took me back into the 90s, it wouldn't have been the same. And I probably would have been kind of miserable. Yeah. That would have been rough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I always hear stories of, uh, you know, people being offered help to set up their own instruments. Yeah, that still happens. I have to slap hands away. Yeah, do you even to this day? Sure, Um, DJing especially. Really? Mm. Yeah, a lot of a lot of hand slapping. Like that's okay. I know what trouble is. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) I can handle it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think it also happens a lot when we're setting up on stage and um, getting the instruments ready for sound, doing sound check and things like that. There's a lot of tension sometimes mm-hmm. between um, sound engineers and the musicians, whether or not, especially when we have the younger kids setting up musicians. Um, there's a sometimes a struggle there with that. But there are some great sound engineers in this community who are so supportive um, of, of especially of our young women who are w- trying to get into the music industry. So that's really incredible. Yeah. We're very lucky, I think, here in Portland in general in terms of the, um, the way that people are treated uh, between the sexes. Uh, I'm, like, trying not to say it, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> you know? um, whereas you hear these horror stories of, you know, people being treated differently, Um, whether that is, you know, publicly, privately, whatever it may be, how it impacts their self-esteem, things of that nature. And uh, it's actually really refreshing to hear, like, that you didn't take it so personally. Yeah. If it it happened to you that you were just like, no, I'm I'm here to do a a job. Whatever you shine the light on is what you see the most of, right? And I didn't want to spend a bunch of my time shining a light on discrimination. I would rather just um, ignore it as much as I could and and have fun. And our monitor engineer um, was a French girl from very early on. So, um, and she was tough and independent and had the same kind of attitude as me. And, um, but also, I mean, I do have to say as much as my, you know, blissful ignorance was there, um, I also kind of behaved in, in misogynistic ways to sort of, if you can't beat them, join them. And there's a lot of things that I didn't speak up about that I just let go. Um, and so, sure, I, I don't have anything against the way that I handled it, but knowing what I know now, there's a lot of times where I have to go, that, that's blatantly sexist. Yeah. And say it. Yeah. And, and say it when you see it, yeah. because it, at some point you have to stop letting people get away with that stuff. Mm-hmm. So through the 90s, it was easier just to kind of go along with it and, and you know, 
objectify men and women. You know, I, I just did some of that stuff to kind of fit in. And now that, you know, the veil is lifted and the Me Too has happened and it's our job to, if you're not speaking up, then you are agreeing to right. the status quo. And so it's a different situation now. And um, like I said, it, it would have been quite miserable for me to be going that's sexist and that's sexist and that's sexist 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 you wouldn't have gotten any music done I wouldn't have gotten anything done I would well I would have been an an activist and and probably Mm -hmm. in a bad mood and a a lot of the kind of right girl movement that is what was going on and um so I was blissfully just playing along on the other side um I'm I'm glad that we're at where we're at now and I think that everybody has been really brave to speak up for their own experiences and now you know call it out when they see it happening around them how do people react when you say something like if you are calling them out on it on the spot how do they typically I think it's really important to say that instead of your Mm -hmm. Um, recognize the behavior as opposed to being accusatory to the person themselves sure I think it's less defensive somebody might stand there and go oh oh that was sexist and give them a chance to sort of rephrase and you know take a breath and because a lot of times we're also saying things that have been said Mm -hmm. and stories old stories you have to stop and go does this still fit my beliefs Mm-hmm. Um, and so it gives them a minute to sort of review and say, does that still align with how I feel? Or is that just a, a, an echo of an old way that we did things or said things? Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to be ready for some defensive yeah. behavior and a little bit of embarrassment, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I say stupid stuff and get called out and then I'm embarrassed. <laughs> That's my everyday life. <laughs> I did not do it again. I'm amazed I didn't mispronounce my own name when we got on air, quite frankly. <laughs> Yeah, it is uncomfortable, you know, and then the more you do it, the less uncomfortable it gets, but it never is not uncomfortable. And I think something that I thought of when you were describing your experiences, um, I thought about Misty McElroy, the founder of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, who started the organization in 2001 as, as a Portland musician, as a punk musician here in the industry, um, experiencing discrimination trying to play gigs here in the city and wanting to create a safe space for girls and trans youth to be able to be, um, to create music together and um, enjoy self-expression without having to fear ridicule. And I can't help but wonder if she didn't think to herself, gosh, you know, a decade ago we had the Riot Girl movement and I thought that that solved all of this and now here I am experiencing it and Check it off the list. Right. And thinking to herself, well, this isn't supposed to be the way it is anymore, right? We, I thought we fixed that problem, and clearly we didn't. And from that came Rock Camp. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we're almost 20 years along, and things have changed considerably, but there's still work to do, which makes our movement relevant to this day, which I think is really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. I think giving For people sure. the tools you know, to um, help make change. I think calling out, not approaching someone in an attacking way where they immediately become defensive is such a great tip 
um, because, I mean, we're typically working in close quarters when we're working in the music industry, whether that's, you know, business or recording or on tour, um, whatever it may be, um, you're around these people a lot. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're in it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, I think that's a great piece of advice to share um, with everyone listening, because I have had that question before at mm-hmm. a Women in Music panel is, well, what do you say? What do you do? What what happens? Right. It's like, yeah, and I mean, I'm use the example that keeps coming to mind is was as my singer, yeah. you know, and he will say things, and I don't think that he his intention is specifically sexist. I just think he's saying old, outdated things. Yeah. And so when I go, that's sexist. I, I'm not accusing him of yeah. anything other than saying using outdated terms yeah. and phrases and jokes. Yeah. You know, that really don't they're not funny anymore and it's just time to get some new material often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Change 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 so, the book. Change you know, the there's repertoire. a really gentle way to say it. it's like, why don't we just work on some new material? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Pull out some new jokes. Um, well, I know you know, it's probably been, um, what, almost 30 years now um, since, well, Dandy Warhol's just had their, what, 25th? 25, yeah. 25th anniversary, so 25 years. Um, and, you know, I don't know what you all think, but I definitely go back and think, well, if it was this hard for me or this hard for someone else this recently, what about if we go further back? Like, you know, I always think about Dolly Parton, Aretha Franklin, and I'm like, these powerful women, what was it actually like for them behind closed doors? What was it like for them to get into the music industry? You know, what is it like on the business side, Mm -hmm. you know, where it is so many men, particularly historically? Yeah, it's still a really male-dominated industry, especially if you're looking at the back end of things. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a, a very few women who are sitting in the producer chair in the music industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's very few uh, in the songwriting chair getting songwriting credit still to this day. So I think in those cases, it's still really difficult for women to break into the industry. Certainly, we're making inroads, and I think that um, one of the things that really helps is that we see a lot more women um, up on the stage not just as single performers, but in bands as well, and say, showing everyone how strong women can be and bringing other women along with them, which I think is so huge, yeah. um, you know, to be able to bring, if your star is rising, to bring others along with you and help make inroads into the industry that way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you're also kind of speaking to the importance of camps like Rock Camp for Girls is... Um, I don't think it's because women aren't allowed to have these positions. I think it's because females as youth aren't shown examples of those positions. They Mm -hmm. just, if you don't see someone doing it that you relate to, you're less likely to see yourself as being able to do it. And so the, the camps just make it where there's no doubt. Of course you can. You've been doing it the whole time. Here you are at camp, then later in, you know, high school band camps or high school bands, 
or the um, what is the the engineering part of the rock camp? Is the amazing. sound engineering. Yeah, that was I was the most impressed by that when I volunteered at the camp. I yeah. thought that was so cool to and that was a new for thing. females to have access. Because really, honestly, kids don't have access to a whole lot in general. Mm-hmm. And then the arts even less. And then um, at, um, where f- girls feel no competition from boys, no favoritism. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice open space for them to explore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's now the second time we've touched on the recording aspect of, mm-hmm. you know, women working in the music industry and being represented and, and to your point, Christy, you really don't see those credits very often, particularly in production. No, um, live is, is, is definitely growing. Mm-hmm. We work with female monitor engineers, front of house, tour managers, all of that, um, mm-hmm. guitar techs. Uh, we've had female crew, um, not 50-50, but absolutely a, a good portion of female crew. But I have never myself been in the studio with a female uh, engineer outside of one time on a project I did on my own. Wow. Yeah, so that's... And it, it does seem like it's... I, I don't know that it will be a super fast tsunami tidal wave of change, <laughs> <laughs> but I am seeing the seeds of that being planted um, in terms of uh, uh, more interest being taken, um, more tools being available, um, not just it doesn't matter if you're male, female, non-binary, whatever, but to have um, recording equipment on your laptop as opposed to having right. to go into a the DIY dollar. Yeah, yeah that's know. making a huge impact. Right, um, like Peaches made her album on GarageBand. Nice. Billie Eilish made her first song. Yeah, so that's what fixes it. There's no no nobody stopping you then. It's software. You download it. You learn how to use it. You get good at it. You have just as good of a chance as anyone else at that point. So Mm -hmm. that's going to be the real change. Some people don't know where to get started. Huge. Well, and I still, I think it still goes back to what Zia said before about, do you see yourself reflected there? Mm -hmm. Do you see other people, you know, your peers or, or, um, girls who are just ahead of you, maybe that, uh, where you see them do those things and you're like, oh yeah, I could do that too. I think that's one of the things that for Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, um, peer-to-peer mentoring and having our teen interns take a big hand in the leadership of the camp so that the campers are being taught and mentored by kids who are just a little bit older than them, I think is really inspirational for them. Um, and yeah, the sound engineering we added to Teen Week last summer, and it was amazing. It was so incredible to watch our campers go through that process and I felt like they learned so much in just a week it was really cool I feel like that's the camp for me yeah (laughs) like still don't play any instruments you can tell by this voice that I don't sing (laughs) so here I come (laughs) what's the what's the age limit for the for the recording camp what Well, maybe we'll be able to add it to our Liberation Rock Camp, which is our adult yes. program, and we'll get yes. to throw some sound engineering into there. Although that would, that's only two and a half days, so we <laughs> it would be a real crash course. Yeah. All I heard was, so you're saying there's a chance. There's there a chance. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, one of the steps... Um, uh, going back to the uh, empowering um, people to, to record for themselves, 
Um, I will say women in music, the global organization, we're the local chapter here in Portland, but the global uh, organization a few years ago was uh, raising money and equipment for Jamaica and Barbados chapters cool. uh, because the women down there were experiencing, um, oh, what's the polite on air way of saying this? Uh, they were being treated in a manner that was less than equal to the men and needing to do things outside of merely paying money to have their music recorded, mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, so Women in Music was like, no, that's a no-go. That's, you know, not cool with us. We're going to send equipment down there. We're going to send people down there to train the women. Like the, Set up their own studio. Yeah, there's got to be a way to stop this. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. So... Yeah, empower the people. Knowledge is power. The, yeah. If the boys won't share their toys, we'll send some of them. Exactly. Send we'll them some of our own toys. Exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm such a believer in the whole knowledge is power, and I, I do appreciate um, that, you know, technology is really helping to level the playing field um, mm -hmm. these days. Um, and I do have a random question for you both while we're on this topic. Sure. Um, who was the who was the first inspiration that you saw in terms of seeing someone in a role that you wanted to be in or you know aspired to be in mm. Janice Joplin nice mm -hmm. that's a good one this is her tattoo oh, <laughs> lovely um she was an early role model for me for sure yeah um i don't know that i have People in real life, mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot of access yeah. to that. But Janis Joplin, Billie Holiday. Um, what was it about seeing these women in the roles that they were? I mean, all I had were the album covers and their powerful voices. Yeah. My dad had a really cool record collection, and those were a couple of the females that I discovered um, that uh, you can really hear their feelings mm -hmm. you know it's they they both have a very um raw way of communicating with their voice and i felt that connection to that i mean i don't know how anyone could not feel a connection to that um but those were you know i wanted i wanted to be able to express myself as effectively yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clearly concisely <laughs> Powerfully, yeah. That. Well, I can yeah. only imagine with Billie Holiday, you know, being a woman of color as well, and the time that she was. I mean, really stacking up the odds, mm -hmm. you know, against you. It feels like I'm, like, can only imagine. But yeah, not an easy, not an easy path. No, yeah. Women of color in music in the music industry have historically and still today have a much harder time. Yeah. Um, across the board, I think. And there's so many, you know, our um, patron saint, if you will, at rock camp is Sister Rosetta Tharp, nice. who yes. was the first woman to really play rock music and, you know, was for decades not acknowledged mm -hmm. for her contribution. Uh, so that is something that we hope to be able to um, bring to light. And, mm -hmm. the, you know, the more that that gets talked about and you know we express those things I think that's really makes a huge difference yeah um but yeah it's just it's still a struggle for yeah. sure and who was your first influence in in music 
who did I, you want to be when you grew up? Oh, Madonna. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think every little girl from my generation wanted to be Madonna. Cindy Lauper was my idea. <laughs> was it the hair choices Honest, or the No, I think choices? it just, you could, I think it was her attitude. Like she yeah. just truly had or expressed that like, I'm not letting anything stand in my way. I'm going to do whatever I want, no matter what anyone tells me. Yeah. Um, whether you like her music or not, I think that she is someone who really has always in her whole life done exactly what she wanted and been really successful at it. She's a powerhouse. There's no yeah. denying it, you know, so... Yeah, I will. Sure. I will forever have her uh, MTV Music Awards performance burned into my brain, rolling around in uh. the white wedding dress, like <laughs> so humping good. the floor. Like, yeah. am I allowed to say humping on air? I think <laughs> on X-ray. I think you can. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, X-ray. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And just the you know, so many um, musicians af- have come. I think that we have gotten to have the privilege of having maybe wouldn't have been here without her being Mm -hmm. an inspiration for them um so yeah she just has a huge impact for sure yeah and mtv in general just getting to see right being able to see women on tv Mm -hmm. performing Mm -hmm. um and yeah Absolutely. What a change that yeah. made for everyone. I mean, we had Friday night videos before that because I saw the bangles on Friday night videos oh, yeah. and was like, that is cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. mine, mine was a little later. Mine was Gwen Stefani from oh, No yeah. Doubt. For sure. And even though I had seen, you know, men and women alike because I didn't care. Billy Joe Armstrong, I'm going to play the guitar like Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day because, you know. <laughs> It it didn't it didn't occur to me that that wasn't an option for me. Right, right. Now. Good for you. <laughs> but the thing that was so inspiring to me was seeing Gwen Stefani dress like a girl, act like a girl, but still be in the boys' club because mm-hmm. I was such a tomboy, and I thought that that meant that I also had to look like a boy and dress like a boy and act like a boy to fit in with the boys. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh no. I can, can listen be. to death metal and wear all pink if I want to. Absolutely. My world. Tough and sexy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. But that yeah. was inspiring. You oh, know, yeah. Seeing someone with confidence like that. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing her in L.A. when they first got started and just she was so mesmerizing on stage. Yeah. Just the power there was incredible for yeah. sure. Um, but, yeah, we, you know, we're trying to push that notion of, like, you don't have to be subscribe to any particular thing you can do all the things that you want to do and look whatever way you want to look right Mm -hmm. and regardless of that should be respected and should be safe Mm -hmm. and be able to be creative and express yourself in a safe space here here on all those points yeah i mean Can we just shout that out, like, on repeat? (laughs) We we try. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, that rock and roll camp for girls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Every day. Every Every day at camp. Every single day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, we do need to take a quick break here. Um, So we'll be right back um, with Sia and Christy on Women in Music, Then and Now.
Welcome back to Women in Music, Then and Now. I'm here with Zia McCabe of the Dandy Warhols and Christy Balls, our Executive Director of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. We're discussing the roles and impact of women in the music industry and how it continues to evolve. Now, Christy, as the Executive Director <laughs> of Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, how many campers would you say come through your program each year? So we host between 220 and 260 campers each summer depending on the size of the venue that we can secure. So we have between 55 and 65 campers each week. We get a fresh crop every week and we do four weeks of camp. And they um, each week they learn an instrument, form a band, write an original song, and then perform live at the end of the week at a local Portland venue. Nice. I've actually been to some of those performances. From the showcases? Yeah. Awesome. I feel very cool when I get invited. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. I everyone have to make an appearance. Everyone is invited. The showcases are open <laughs> to the public, and I not to uh, not to say you are all special, but <laughs> wow. I, I was on the list. So oh, you were definitely on the list, absolutely. But we love for people to come from the community. Um, it's such a great way to see the, what the campers do, and people are astonished by what they accomplish in just a week. Many of our campers have never picked up an instrument before they walk in the door on Monday morning. And That's then incredible. they're totally rocking out by Saturday. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how many hours of practice they're putting in at home. None. None. <laughs> Zero. Your secrets are out, campers. <laughs> yeah. No, we make them practice a lot uh, during camp, and we have a lot of amazing people who come and help us out during the summer. Like Zia came and was a musical mentor last summer, so she came in about midweek and just popped into each band to help them with various parts, whether they were struggling with lyrics or they were struggling with instrumentation, helping some of the kids with their bass line, whatever it was. If their foot um, doesn't reach the drum pedal, <laughs> <laughs> tie blocks to the foot. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so it's awesome. It's an amazing process to watch. And of the of the hurdles, besides not being able to reach the drum pedal, uh, <laughs> what are some of the challenges you see the campers um, kind of dealing with most frequently? Um, well, I think musically, the campers deal most with collaboration. Um, mm. You know, we're asking kids who, most of whom are strangers uh, at the beginning of the week to become a band in five days and to write a song, come up with a logo, uh, you know, give, give themselves a name. It's a lot to ask nine and 10 and 11 year olds to do. I mean, it's a lot to ask adults to do. It's, yeah. To so make creative decisions we have that a, represent you. Mm -hmm. It's intense. It's intense. It is. Um, I mean, I'm exhausted after the couple hours of volunteering. I don't know how you guys do it for the whole four weeks. <laughs> I am so ready to get out of there. <laughs> I'm like, this is hard. It's a lot. There's a lot of tears, um, you know, especially with the younger ones who you know, really struggle with that because they're used to just getting to do whatever they want to do most of the time. There's yeah. not a lot of group projects in school when you're that age. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, just as an example, my daughter's band last summer, every single kid cried once a day. <laughs> like oh. they just were having so much trouble, you know, just well, coming no one's to consensus. getting their way, yeah. right? <laughs> Nobody's getting their way. You, it's all compromised the entire time. Mm -hmm, exactly. And that's a big lesson to learn. Um, and they're also kids who are coming, you know, from the outside world where they are 
bringing in a lot of stressors from there as well. So Mm -hmm. you just never know what a kid's, I mean, you never know what anyone's really going through, right? So kindness rules the day at rock camp, supporting one another, um, picking each other up, dusting each other off is all part of the culture that we try to uh, promote there. And teaching them that now you're not going to get everything you want. You're going to get some of what you want. Everyone is. And that's what we're here to do is to help you to compromise and create something together. So it sounds like every adult I know, including myself, could (laughs) could benefit from this experience. It's amazing. And I mean, the pace is so fast and so intense, but I think that that's kind of what saves it. Is Mm -hmm. there you know, for every moment you didn't get what you wanted, that moment's over so quick that you have to move on to the next thing. And maybe on the next thing, you actually are get to do, you know, have a have a go a little bit more your way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's... It, I feel it's like a, you're getting the wind. It's a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like, you got to go. And the song has to be, you know, it, the lyrics have to be done by Wednesday and the chord changes and... So it's fun for me to get to do this sort of triage and run Uh around and go, okay, what's holding them back? Yeah. What's keeping them from the next part? I mean, you know, honestly, I didn't go the first year because I thought I was I was having some imposter syndrome. Really? I thought I didn't have enough to offer. Oh my god! How truly? That's how I felt. And then when I went in, and it's sometimes it's it's. The first one I helped was drums, and I've helped a few drummers, and I realized I know a lot more about drumming than almost every nine-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> It's fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> on my LinkedIn. <laughs> but also the thing that's great is my knowledge of each instrument is just enough. So it's kind of like the six-year-old can teach the two-year-old better than the 20-year-old can because they're closer to it. My basic skills in each of these instruments means that I know how to really, really simplify it. And so one of my favorite ones was this bass player was really struggling. They got stuck with a band that had a couple of kind of musicians already, you know, in the band. And they just couldn't keep up with these other kids. Mm -hmm. And so I realized as I was explaining what I thought was the very simplified version, very quietly they were going, skill level, skill level. And I was like, oh, Oh. they're already maxed out. And I'm like, okay, look at this dot here. You're going to go open, close, open, close, open, close, close. That's your baseline. And then when it gets to the other part of the song, it's open, close on this string at this fret. And when I was back in the office, I'd made my rounds there. Um, Band manager. Band manager came in and said, oh, my gosh, so-and-so is playing this bass part, keeping up all the way through the song. And I'm like, I was there for a breakthrough, a musical breakthrough. Yes. But partially because I knew how to make it so simple. Not because I knew a bunch of theory or scales or -hmm. or had a degree in anything. It's because that's how I play bass. (laughs) (laughs) Open, close, open, close. There's notes on the top of my bass that says this fret, this string. It doesn't say what note it is. (laughs) So I could relate to these kids. And it made me feel 
skilled in this really useful way and and to see I mean and sometimes it's lyrics which mm-hmm. is the hardest thing and these kids either have five words or five thousand words they they're do, trying really. to fit into us yeah they do <laughs> they have a lot to express they do yeah yes. and it's either about candy or it's about world destruction it's what oh you know it's yes. everything in between yeah be about both it could potentially it has be about been both yes. yeah it's phenomenal the things that they come up with so, yeah. But Do you see any of the outside world coming into camp with them? Oh, for sure. I mean, you can definitely see it in their lyrics, mm-hmm. um, especially with the older campers. There's a lot of uh, songs that get written about the stressors of their either everyday lives, the things that they're experiencing in school, the relationships that they're having with their friends. There is a lot of lyrics about the stressors that are happening in the world around them, um, environmentally, politically. We don't um, censor their lyrics at all um, unless they're going for something that's just overtly profane for no reason. Um, But other than that, you know, we don't tell them what they can and can't write a song about at all. And so they're free to really let loose Mm -hmm. and sing about what they want to sing about. Um, that's a big part of it, right? Getting up on stage and being able to say the words that you want to say, that you feel passionate about. That it's, it's a transformative relief to be able to do that and not have anyone tell you you can't. Well, and think of what that does, that permission does yeah. for a young person going forward in life. I mean, I don't think the purpose of Rock Camp for Girls is to produce a ton of musicians, specifically right music is just the vehicle to what we're doing yeah having worked in distribution for 10 years (laughs) i can assure you there are plenty of musicians out there (laughs) (laughs) just just gonna throw that out there there's a lot but what there's a lack of is people that feel comfortable being authentic um people that feel like that their feelings are valuable Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are the things that we have a lack of in rock and roll camp for girls. I've seen it is is that permission is that being told that your opinions are valuable, that um, expressing yourself is the is being authentic to yourself is the coolest version of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Confidence. Word. Yeah. Confidence. Confidence. Empowerment. Yeah. Um, you know, feeling that you can speak up and use your voice to create change. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Learning how to do it where you're heard is another skill. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just getting a taste of it, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes all you need is that taste of that and you take it with you and you can foster that in wherever, whatever path you end up on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like to think that that's where the future is going, right? Like that's what we're doing is um, helping to create a future where more and more people feel that way and interact with each other in that way and where, you know, more people are authentic with one another and where building each other up is the rule of the day instead of being competitive all the time. Well, and this is one of the tragedies of the arts being so underfunded and undervalued um, nationally. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. I mean, There's that's a huge lack of art. A part funding. of the problem of mm-hmm. the the general attitude of people. It's work and compete, work and compete. Mm-hmm. It's not create and celebrate, create and celebrate. Correct. Yeah, I totally agree with that for sure. 
we shouldn't have to be fundraising so hard for the arts. <laughs> this is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. People can't see me shaking my head. No, I know, it's, right? It's, We're it's all just crazy. going, uh, We're outraged. <laughs> yeah, I uh, had um, a coworker who every year she was on the board for raising the money that would pay for a music teacher and an art teacher mm-hmm. for one year of school. Every yeah. year, this is probably TMI, but every year she w- would lead this auction to try to raise $60,000. Yeah. From who? From the parents. From the parents. Of the kids that go to that school. Yeah, and that's true across the board. Every public school has to have some kind of major fundraiser every year to help supplement what we are not funding mm-hmm. as the public, and it's mm-hmm. tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important. I mean, it's so important to um, building confidence, to it, you know, learning how to express yourself mm-hmm. in a hopefully a healthy way. <laughs> it's also important academically. Mm-hmm. Our brains have work studies better. have shown that learning music, learning arts impacts your ability to also learn science and math. It's there's a direct connection there, and the fact that we're leaving it out is. It's it's doing a huge detriment to our future, Mm -hmm. for sure. So if we can help a little bit with that, we're grateful to be able to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, you're giving people the taste of of what it can be. It's better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And giving them some skill set to get started at least. Yeah, and we hope that they leave camp and, you know, want to continue in music and want to uh, maybe find out a music instructor or teacher outside of and there's know, already, just the camp program. That's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has. We There's definitely kids that, and there's kids that come back to camp year after year after year. We have about a 50% return rate on campers. Wow. Um, which is amazing. And they just, you know, they love it. It's the one place. For them, a lot of them, the one time a year where they're just like, I feel like I can totally be myself here, and so that's really, really powerful. It is. That's, yeah. Don't like, you I, wish you had that? <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna cry hearing this story. I was painting owl banks at Bible camp. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's terrible. I I'm know. So sorry. Battleground, Washington, y'all. <laughs> Not a lot of options. <laughs> <laughs> well, knowing what you both know today um what do you think the future holds for women in music whether that's recording or on the business side or whatever that or just even hobbyists well what i would like to see is that we didn't have to have women in blah 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 this and that for women (laughs) this for girls girls need a new organization name (laughs) right (laughs) i mean this is it is part of the process to getting it all balanced back out but what i would like to see is that we're just all individuals living our authentic lives, doing what motivates, inspires, and interests us without having to have these empowerment camps and groups and panels, yes. you know? Like, I'll, I'll keep speaking at them as long as I feel like I need to, mm-hmm. but ultimately the goal is is that this becomes sort of a quaint passe thing of the remember when we had to do all of this stuff to be heard yes i'll keep hosting if you'll keep showing up (laughs) until (laughs) you don't have to do this anymore exactly you all know i get nervous talking in front of people great job for you (laughs) (laughs) what about you Chris? yeah well i i agree with zia i mean as a as a non-profit 
we're, you know, like most nonprofits, we're hoping to work ourselves out of a job, right? Yeah. Like we want to do enough good work that it's not necessary anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that that will ever happen. And, you know, for us, I think kids will always need a place where they can experience what we give them at Rock and Roll Camp for Girls. But mm-hmm. absolutely, we want to keep pushing forward um, until we truly have equality and um, you know, it's a truly equitable society for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that means that everyone has the things that they need to be successful um, in a healthy, comfortable way. And, you know, I think we have a long way to go still, unfortunately, but I think that there are a lot more of us now who are speaking out about it and who are willing to stand at the front lines, so to speak, and help lead the charge to make that happen. Um, and I also think it's important to remember the shoulders that we're standing on and how far we've come, uh, you know, historically as a society on the whole, um, not just women, women, of course, but oh, society in general, we've made a lot of great strides. And um, I think that there's more to make. Mm-hmm. So we just keep working at it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, whether listeners realize it or not, we've recently just touched on, you know, where funding is coming from for educating our kids and giving them creative outlets, whether that be private funding, government funding, the existence of nonprofits, uh, you know, these organizations mm-hmm. that we're running to try to offer things um, to people in a manner that they can afford them. Um but there's more in the political landscape than just funding for us. Um, And it seems like everything that's going on in politics right now has an impact, whether that's starting the next, you know, riot girl movement because everyone's so upset about what's going on, or, you know, is it gonna be a backlash? Is it it gonna put people down? Are we gonna take two steps back before we take another step forward? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's the thing that I'm, looking at personally but you know I'd love to know if you guys feel that same way or are seeing it in the campers or you know you talked about um, some of the um, the outside influences coming in and being seen in the lyrics you know mm-hmm. how how aware um, of politics do you think the kids uh, are the kids are and do you super think aware Portland's is yeah. a, you know I mean here it's, it's a progressive community my my daughter goes to protest regularly. Um, nice. You know, she. I was on tour and she called me. She's 15 now. I think she was 12 or 13 when she called. And she said, "Mama, I've got my, I've got my sunblock, my water, my pepper spray, and my goldfish crackers." And I'm like, "What is coming?" And she goes, "Can you get me a lift to the protest for the teachers' walkout?" Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I will order you. I'm on the East Coast. I'll order you a lift. But I think very specifically here, our kids are um, as aware as the parents. Mm -hmm. We're not keeping this from them, whatever we're experiencing and going through or outraged by or the change we want to see. Our our kids are are right there with us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kids today have so much more access to information. I mean, you know. I drop my daughter off at middle school in the morning and she's sitting with a Chromebook in her lap on the Wi-Fi of the school. Like, 
they have access to everything. Yeah. So they're fully aware of what's going on. But, I mean, Zia makes a good point. We're on a bit of a bubble, I suppose. But, um, but I mean, we've got global leaders that are quite young now that are, yeah. you know, making a huge difference and big mm-hmm. statements. And the youth, um, I think, feel more empowered, but also pressured to be the ones that make the change, mm-hmm. fight but, for the change, yeah, stand up for the change. And, and have to fix it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I want to be an adult that doesn't look like they've given up and have just handed everything off to them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. not fair to them. So I think if there's one thing that I would express to other adults is to stand up with the youth. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're taking big strides and they're taking big risks and being leaders, but they still need us to be standing beside them so that they know they're not alone in that fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really powerful to see grown-ups standing behind someone like Greta Thunberg leading, you know, the way with the, um, against climate change. So I just want us to be um, yeah. there with them. Yeah, I like the side-by-side of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be good examples. Yeah. yeah, totally. Well, and there's a lot going on that maybe people aren't fully aware of with like the copyright acts and things like that that go through congress there's um yeah there there's a lot for people to research and it's really i think a positive change if we can get more people especially young people involved in politics early and not assume that it's only for older generations back to Mm -hmm. our original point of seeing people you know in this position and seeing other people do it, um, I love seeing, you know, the younger politicians making a run for it and speaking up for their their generation and hopefully getting in there early enough to, you know, mm-hmm. make some positive change. Not as fast as I'd hoped, but <laughs> I'd <laughs> I get excited and then it just never moves as fast as I want. The yeah. youth vote just isn't coming out the way that I sort of you know yeah sometimes you feel like it's everything's there and it's poised and ready for these big movements to happen and then it just sort of peters out right at the last minute mm-hmm. and i don't know what we need to be doing differently to make sure that that the youth really are feeling motivated and empowered and realizing how much change they can make mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i wonder if they see it on a national level and forget that there's so much change that they can make at a local level first and foremost that can then kind of you know Mm -hmm. spread from there yeah all politics is local yeah something true an old friend used to say (laughs) to Mm. me you make the you know you make change in the world that's right around you first um and it ripples out so i think if if young people can remember that or some you know we can help them realize that then i think that can really help um but i I also think that young people have a lot on their plates today, and so um, they get really excited about a thing, and then, you know, another something really dramatic comes along and distracts all of us, like this virus right now, right? right? We're, right. So it's hard. We're pulled in a lot of different directions, all of us, in modern-day society. It's hard to keep your attention focused on on one thing. and. That's another thing that I think is lacking in the schools, too. Are they teaching government anymore? Are they teaching, like, civic engagement anymore in schools? I don't they did at Da Vinci. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Totally knew 
has a lot better idea of what's going on than I did in high school. Because <laughs> that class was boring. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel about it. Don't look back. <laughs> Yeah. Um, like, how do we make it exciting? We put music to it, right? Put music <laughs> to it. <laughs> it's got to be a reality TV show or a really cool documentary or there you go. something of that nature. <laughs> something like that. I don't know. Maybe we'll see more musicians get involved in politics, and maybe that'll be fun and exciting and yeah. Well, and I think I think you're definitely seeing that. Well, and I mean, what are, I mean, musicians have always been at the forefront of right. political movements, right? Think about the all the music that came out of the all the protest music that came out of the '60s during the Vietnam War. Um, you know, women musicians during the women's movement in the '70s. Musicians have always been right there at the, on the uh, at the edge of that. I yeah, think. we got Public Enemy rocking yeah. for Bernie mm-hmm. right now. Absolutely. I ordered my poster a few days ago. Nice. nice. <laughs> Snag. Fight the power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have a you know big musicians like Public Enemy um, or like Billie Eilish or people I don't whoever it is that's on this they have a podium right they mm-hmm. have an audience they have a place that they really can um, spread the word and you know use it. I well, think it's exactly, to, it's seen as a privilege, and I would prefer it be seen as a duty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a platform here, you have an audience, um, you don't have to make every song political, you don't have to, you know, talk about your political views in the middle of your concerts, Mm -mm. but you do have an audience through social media where you can talk about the things that are important to you, and um, I know I feel better when I use that platform to deliver my message rather than waste it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a fantastic opportunity to be heard and um, to be heard here on X-Ray as well. We're lucky to have local radio. Yes. Um, <laughs> here where they allow people like myself to come on air all willy-nilly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just opened up the studio door. Yeah. <laughs> they let any old kook in here. <laughs> yeah. X-Ray mm-hmm. is awesome. The dude that owns this building is awesome. The Falcon yeah. Arts Building, uh, one of my musical projects, rehearses across the hall. And he is a great supporter of the arts and makes sure that there's affordable places for artists to live and rehearse. And it's one of the things that, unfortunately, I see shrinking in Portland. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I would really like to make sure we've got these patrons of the arts in town preserving buildings for artists to even be in. It's harder yeah. and harder to afford a rehearsal space. I mean, when, when we started our band in the 90s, I was able to work two days a week. Wow. And just make music and be an artist the rest of the time. Wow. And boy, did I waste that time now that I don't <laughs> have it. <laughs> Retrospect. Because now you have to work full time and your your art is with the time that's left, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, big shout out to the people that are um, just preserving spaces for artists to, to rehearse and work and perform in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great note for us to end on, actually. So shout out to to the Falcon Arts building owner. Shout out to X-Ray. Shout out to X-Ray, all the supporters of the arts. Yeah, absolutely. Do more than you just give your arts tax. Yes. (laughs) We're not seeing any of that. (laughs) 
Um, well, I'd like to thank you both for your time and for your engagement and all that you do for women in music, um, musicians in music um, as well. Um, how can people stay in touch with you both? Well, Rock and Roll Camp for Girls, of course, we have a Facebook page, Girls Rock PDX, and we have a website. Um, we're also on Instagram and Twitter, but don't ask me what those handles are because I don't know off the top of my head. Just Google it. (laughs) Just Google it. They're there. Yeah. So uh, people can keep in touch with us um, in those ways. We do have a newsletter too that we send out. So lots of ways. Uh, you can find the me. Dandy Warhols. Yeah. Happy 25th anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, there's the Dandy Warhols, um, Zia McCabe Facebook, Zia McCabe Instagram, uh, Ada Zia Real Estate, August Darlings, Brush Prairie, DJ Rescue. Oh, my goodness. You need a height. She man. has a lot of names. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been listening to Women in Music then and now as part of Amplify Women on X-Ray FM, a celebration of International Women's Day. I'm your host, Erica Sinkovic from Women in Music. Radio is yours. <laughs>